Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And this week, we're going to talk about the deluge. If you haven't seen the news, catastrophic flooding hit Vermont this week. It's been unlike anything I have personally seen or been through in my life. What you're seeing on your screen here is drone footage of the capital city, Montpelier, our picture-perfect Victorian town. As you see, it is literally underwater. Um, <laughs> you know, the weather forecasters, the geologists, the FEMA people who do the floodplain maps have been referring to events like this as 100-year floods. And I'm getting a little tired of hearing it because this is not a 100-year flood. This appears to be a 10-year flood because back in 2011, we had Hurricane Irene. Oh, excuse me, excuse me, Vermont forecasters. I'm very sorry. Let me be really accurate. Tropical storm, Irene, because it wasn't a hurricane by the time it got here. <laughs> persnickety weathermen. These are the people who are always telling you, oh, it's an alleged tornado. It's not a confirmed tornado until we say it is. Whatever. Um, so I said to you in the beginning of this that I've never seen anything like this. Well, I haven't seen anything like this up close and personal the way I have this week. But what you are seeing here with Montpelier underwater, they're not the only community this happened to. Um, I'm, we're going to show you a little bit of downtown. To give you historical perspective, this was worse than Hurricane Irene in 2011. The rivers crested higher. More towns were flooded with this event than they were during Irene in 11. Um, and this was nearly as bad as the historic 1927 flood that wiped out the city of Montpelier. In that flood, the Winooski River that's one of our major rivers in Vermont. I'm going to be telling you more about it because it has everything to do with my life this week. The Winooski River in 1927 crested at 22.5 feet. I know that doesn't mean anything unless you have numbers to go with it, but that's an extraordinarily high amount. Uh, today, we, 15 feet is the sludge. Uh, sludge <laughs> we're going to get to sludge. Flood stage for the Winooski River. Um, pardon me being a little bit uh, off-key this week. It has been a very long one. As you can see, I didn't even have time to shave. So we're just, this is the jankiest script I've ever had. Um, so I hope you enjoy. <laughs> You're getting second quality this week. Um, this week, the river crested at 21 feet, and I believe 21.7 feet. So on Monday, Monday morning, um, I went out to, I went out to, I own a house in Montpelier. I live in a small little house in Winooski. And yes, the town is named Winooski because it's on the Winooski River. And the house, the rental house that I own, a uh, modest rental house is just a duplex, not a big landlord, two apartments. That is directly on the Winooski River in Montpelier. When you walk to the end of my backyard, that is the river's edge. 
Um, I was going to say, come on over, you can dangle your feet and sit in the rocks, but um, uh, you don't even need to dangle your feet. All you need to do is walk into my backyard. So I went over Monday morning because my tenant downstairs said that there was a leak through one of the walls in the bedroom. And I thought to myself, oh, geez, because uh, I just uh, I just had my maintenance guy uh, do some drainage work around there. And I thought, oh, well, we're having heavy rain. Maybe the pipe needs to be relocated. Go out there. And sure enough, there's there's some trickle of water coming through the paneling in the bedroom. And there's a puddle on the floor. And I'm going, oh, God, how much more expensive is this going to be? By three or four hours later, uh, we were talking about um, evacuation. That is how quickly this happened. This storm dumped nine inches of rain within one day across Vermont and some parts of New York State. I know that the lower Hudson Valley was flooded as well. If you've you've never personally experienced a flood, it's hard to describe what it's like. Um, It is really, really frightening. Water is extremely powerful. You don't realize how powerful it is until so much of it concentrates in one place. So I'm getting, I'm getting texts from my upstairs tenant who's telling me, um, I don't know whether to evacuate or not. And my downstairs tenant was going to stay and ride it out. Um, we didn't expect the river to actually overflow the bank, but it did. Uh, and as soon as he saw water coming up on the tires of his truck, he was out of there. Thank goodness. Everybody is safe. Everybody is safe. Um, but let Kevin, let's go to the next video that has some sound in it of the Winooski River with uh, everything coming down it. I know you can't tell because you have no context, um, but that river should not be that high. You should not be seeing a river and treetops there. You should be seeing a bank. It's, it's, it's so high, and this is just, we saw entire forests. Yes, forests floating down the river. Uh, Lake Champlain, where the Winooski River terminates, is just covered, covered, covered in trees. Um, what else do I have for you here? Um, my upstairs tenants. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll show you, Kevin. If we can switch to our our next uh, sock, please. We're going to see a helicopter on its way to my house. This is a National Guard helicopter going to rescue my tenants. Uh, Never thought I'd be seeing that. Um, They pulled my upstairs tenants out in a basket suspended below the helicopter. Yes. I could hardly believe it myself. And I want to say to my upstairs tenant, Rosie, you are one hell of a brave woman. I know you're afraid of heights, and I know how that feels. And you did it, and you got your kids out, and I'm glad. Uh, I had a little bit of video I was going to show you from the chopper, but it's such bad quality you can't actually see it. My house was quite literally an island, the only island on that road of dry land. Water everywhere else. Everything else was impassable. Um, It was two days before I could get out there. Um, I had no idea what had happened to my downstairs apartment, uh, fearing the worst, hoping for the best. But when I got out there, this is what I found. Hi everyone. My house in Montpelier was flooded downstairs. Going to document this and give you a quick tour of what's going on.
that tree's not supposed to be there. <laughs> that furniture's not supposed to be there either. Everything has to come out. I just want to document this before it's all gone. Silt, mud, everywhere. Furniture ruined. Came up about seven inches on the wall. This is the room where I thought I was just going to have a small leak. Ha ha. Carpet's ruined, flooring is ruined, furniture is ruined. Every room was affected. All this is toast. The river is right behind my house over that berm. I don't know if you can see it, but we're praying that the rain doesn't cause it to overflow again today. God. Don't ever be in a flood. <laughs> yeah, don't ever be in a flood, okay? I was really stupid to be in a flood. Floods suck. <laughs> Floods suck so hard. So, what do you do? And there are people who lost everything. I'm taking a huge hit on this. My poor tenants, thank God they have family to stay with. But there are people who are much worse off than me. They lost their entire homes. I talked to them. Um, down in that, that spot where, where this house is, um, is a, a little country spot just outside of Montpelier. It's really picturesque, actually. It's on a dirt road. And the Amtrak train station is on this road. And it's, it's one of the originals. It's one of the original Victorian buildings. It looks like a, it's got a little cupola on it. it. looks like an old classic train station. I have taken my suitcase and walked up that road to get on the Amtrak to go down to New York City. Um, houses are spread apart. It's a very peaceful place. Um, as I was driving, I was, I was trying to get to my house. But this is the kind of thing where these dirt roads, you have to get speed up and keep going. And do not stop your car no matter what. No matter what, because you will get stuck and you will not get pulled out. I finally got through. I saw these people hauling everything out of a house across the river for me, and I stopped and talked to them. Um, and the, there's a, a lovely woman who runs a veterinarian who runs a, a spay and neuter clinic for rescue cats there. She lost her house, lost everything. It's going to have to be leveled. Um, and... It... It's it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. Um, natural disasters are something you have to experience, I think, personally to, to really understand. People, the sense of, even, even though I personally wasn't displaced, the sense of, it's like a, it feels like a violation. And I know that sounds ridiculous but it's sort of the same feeling you you get when you're robbed 
or when you're burglarized. Because this force comes in and it just takes, it takes what you have. It, it, it takes it. You can't stop it. You can't argue with it. Um, it's, it's nerve-wracking. You don't, you don't want to turn around. You don't want to see what's coming next. Um, let's go to the next clip we have here. This will show you downtown Montpelier, um, and you will see under how many feet of water this, this town was. This, this one will give you a little hope, though. There's a nice happy ending at the, at the end of this clip. Thank you so much. Look at her. She's up, she's up past her belly button. This is a police officer in downtown Montpelier. They, the so police much. department, fire the department the wars. were huh? flooded out. The noise, I know yeah. we had to get out because of it. Oh, she's Yay! great. There she is. And he got the worms and everything. Got the Look lizard, at that. lizard rescue. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very um, grateful and blessed, and I'm thankful for all the help of the community, honestly. I never expected this. That has been the one good thing this week, is the way people have been treating each other here. They have been very, very good to each other. When something like this hits... It really does, it really does seem to bring the best out in people. Even people who wouldn't look at each other twice on the street and in this state, people who would look askance at each other. You're not in my political tribe. Ugh, you're disgusting. None of that. It's all gone. All the affectation is dropped. People are just being decent and kind and they're going out of their way to help other people. People are, are setting up grills to cook for people who just come by. People are stopping to help others get their waterlogged furniture out. All sorts of businesses and organizations um, have set up food tents uh, and shelters. And there are some thank yous in order. Um, first, I want to say thank you to the Vermont <clears throat> National Guard. Thank you. Um, without brave men and women who are willing to do the kinds of things that you did, I don't know where we'd be. I mean, my God, you got in a helicopter and you rescued my tenants in a basket. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, and... I have a, th a thank you to many viewers of this show, listeners to this show, and also people who have probably never heard or listened to it before. Um, that house I showed you, my house where my tenant is displaced, is the house that I'll be moving into. Um, I'm selling my small house near, near Burlington. It's in Winooski. Uh, and no, you don't need to comment, nobody. You, you don't need to worry about my safety and my privacy. I, I, <laughs> people know where I live. Everybody knows where you live, too. There's no such thing as, um, as I'm anonymous anymore. So, yeah, I live in Winooski, and I have a house in Montpelier. Um, <laughs> bring it. The flood's already done the worst. Um, that's the house that I plan to move into. I'm, I've got my house on the market in Winooski because I can no longer afford to live there after losing my job at the end of last year. Um, so I need to economize, I need to downsize, and I need to live more frugally. And I was getting ready to do that when, when all of this happened. And um, homeowner's insurance does not pay for floods. 
I, I realize that this is a large misconception that a, a great number of people out there believe that this is all covered by insurance. It's not. Homeowners insurance nowhere in the United States ever pays for floods. Never has. Never has. It's always been separate. Most of us, including me, didn't have flood insurance. It's unaffordable or it's unavailable or you don't know you need it until after you know you need it. Um, and rehabbing this apartment is going to take all of the rest of my savings that I've been living on and more. Um, again, there are people who have lost much, much, much more than me. And, and I'm very grateful that, that I'm not worse off than I am. But this is, this is a lot to deal with. And a very, very kind longtime listener um, named Linda, you know who you are, um, set up a GoFundMe. And people have been extraordinarily generous donating uh, to my personal recovery. Um, I have a hard time taking charity and I have a hard time taking gifts, but um, I thank you and I appreciate it. Um, I don't know what else to say, but 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 thank you. I'm I'm not very good at this, I, um, and I think we better go to commercial. I'll see you on the other side. Can't get enough of our love, baby. That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. I've got something to lift your spirits. It certainly lifted my spirits. I'm going to show you what real courage looks like. In fact, you know what? Why don't I let you listen to it and hear it, and then I'll tell you more about it afterwards. This is a school board meeting in Beaverton, Oregon. This gentleman is addressing the school board. My name is John. I was a tech specialist for Beaverton School District for four years. In my time with the district, I worked with the IT department to provide tech support for staff and students at the Arts and Communications Magnet Academy. I built good relationships with every single one of my coworkers and many students at my school. Before 2020, my experience at the school district was mostly positive because I was unaware of the ways that employees were being abused. In 2020, I watched as Kate Brown issued unconstitutional mandates to the people of Oregon. This school district enforced those mandates onto their staff. The superintendent and human resources department sent out emails to all staff pressuring us to comply with the mandate or be fired. 
most people who didn't want to get the shot either got it out of losing their job or they applied for religious religious exemptions, which was a letter justifying why they objected to taking the shot on religious grounds. Beaverton School District actually, uh, the district actually converse, uh, coerced people to explain their religious reasons for why they opposed injecting something into their body. They used fear to manipulate their own staff. If these shots actually worked, then vaccinated people wouldn't get sick from COVID, but vaccinated people are repeatedly catching and spreading COVID. So the vaccine was a lie. Even if the masking, even the masking policy was toxic, I developed a sinus infection on two separate occasions because of your mask policy. When I didn't wear a mask, I would remain healthy, but when I wore a mask for long periods of time, I would get sick. I'm here now because I would not comply with this nonsensical mandate and I was fired by the district and other good teachers and staff were for, for the same reason. Thank God none of us could see the, uh, some of us, could, thank God some of us could see the glaring problems going on in the school district and said no. I urge parents to pull your kids from this public school system and pursue private or homeschool alternatives. And if you're a district employee who's been silently tolerating the abuse all this time, I urge you to stop subjecting yourself to the torment. The more you subordinate yourself to your oppressors, the more you chip away your own soul. I do want to thank you, though. John, you showed your true John, colors these last few years. John, and for that, I'm grateful. That's how you do it. That gentleman is a disaffected viewer and a supporter. Thank you. And he just joined us in our Discord last week. That's one of the benefits you get when you're a uh, supporter of the show is our Discord chat. And I'm going to remind you, sir, what I said to you in the Discord, because I want everyone else to hear it, too. You said that you were afraid and that your voice was shaking. <clears throat> well, you have true courage. That is actual bravery. Congratulations. You just demonstrated actual bravery to everyone in that room and to everyone who's listening to this and watching this. Courage and bravery are not fearlessness. They're not. They're doing the right thing anyway, even when your voice shakes, even when you're nervous, even when your stomach is twisted up and you want to vomit or take a shit because you're so scared. You do it anyway, and you did it anyway. Congratulations. You just set an example for people, and you've done something for yourself, too. Anyone who does this, anyone who stands up and says the truth like this, despite their fear, the next time you are called on to take a moral stand, you won't shake as much. You won't be as afraid. You will be more confident. So you've helped other people, and you've also helped yourself. This is a reward that lasts, and it's something you can build on. Trust me, I know. I'm not fearless. A lot of people have generously described the positions I take on this show as, as brave or courageous or fearless. Um, I'm not fearless. There are times when there are times when I'm nervous to say the things that I want to say when I sit down to talk to you. Um, so it doesn't go away, but you get better at, you get better at pushing through the fear. Um, so congratulations. 
and welcome aboard. Now let's go to Germany. <laughs> let's go to Sprockets, the place where we dance. Now. Oh, ah, ah! <laughs> Do it again, Kevin. I, I. Put my cup back on. Okay, so you know what's going on here? This chode literally cemented his hand to the asphalt. And these workers are chipping his hand out of there. You know, tick, 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 tick. And it hurts. It hurts. He's screaming. I, I mean, I, it's in German, but I, I have to think that he's... I, because the only German I know comes from a Bugs Bunny cartoon with Witch Hazel and Hansel and Gretel. So I, I'm just certain that he's screaming for some Haas and Pfeffer. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm glad it hurt. I hope it continued to hurt. In fact, I think he should have been left there to work his hand out for himself. You dumb little fuck. These people, these activists, we're only doing this because it's the only way that, that anyone will hear us. No, you're only doing this because you're hysterical, neurotic freaks. You are either completely caught up in a cult and you have no idea how to think outside of it. Um, a great number of you have a diagnosable cluster B personality disorder. You know what doesn't get enough press lately? Histrionic personality disorder. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. Shallow emotions that go back and forth and are florid and wild. Oh, the Mother Earth. Oh, the this. Oh, or, you know, Greta Thunberg. All the histrionics. Good. Suffer the consequences, you dumbass. <laughs> if, if you find more of those, please leave them in the comments. I absolutely love this. The pain just makes me shiver. <laughs> now, next topic. Communist propaganda in Android phone games. Yes, believe it or not. So one of the things I like to do is distract myself with mindless, dumb games on my phone. When I'm tired, when I'm stressed out, I like those little farm games or the city building games where you, you plant your weed or you make your skyscraper and, you know, you, you, you join a little neighborhood with other people and play tournaments with ping pong balls. And I mean, it's, it's, it's mindless ridiculousness, but I like that stuff. Um, so I needed a new um, mind distraction this week. And I said, you know, it's been a while since I played one of those uh, silly little build-a-farm games. So I think I'll do that again. So I went and found one. And it was called Farmington. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I mean, if you've played any of these games, they're all the same. It doesn't matter what they're called. It's, you know, plant your crops, bake bread, sell it to neighbors, upgrade your barn, that sort of shit over and over again. They all look the same. They're all the same sort of cartoon thing. Then this one, this one was a little different from the ones I remember a few years ago. You, to get in-game cash, 
Yeah, and you're, I'm going to tell you, you, what you're seeing on your screen, I'm going to tell you about that, too. If you're seeing a rainbow, um, uh, you're noticing the right thing. To get in-game cash so that you can, like, buy crops and buy pieces of wood, virtual pieces of wood, you have to participate in what they call the Eco Tournament. The entire game is larded with ecological messages, eco ridiculousness. I am fairly certain this is a Chinese game because the the in-game script when the little characters speak to you in the tutorials and tell you how to um, you know harvest your crops or or make cheese or whatever it is you're doing the it's Chingrish right it's the kind of grammar literally I'm not I'm not I'm not reducing, I'm not being like, oh, everybody over there is all oriental. I am saying specifically, this is the kind of grammar you get with a Chinese person who doesn't have um, great facility with the English language. That's exactly what it sounds like. So I started thinking to myself, you know, well, let's take a closer look. What you got? Okay, there are two different things going on here. Sorry, I told you this was a janky episode. Um, so I'm going to leave that, I'm going to get that graphic off there for a second and tell you about that second. The first thing I'm going to tell you about, to get the in-game cash, you have to participate in the eco tournaments and you have to upgrade your products so that they're more ecologically friendly. And each time you upgrade and they try to get real cash out of you to do that, you get a, a new little eco leaf and then you get two leaves and then you get three leaves. And every time you up, and you have to do this in order to advance in the game, you have to upgrade your products and you have to uh, play in the, the little eco uh, wheat toss or whatever it is. But what's really creepy about this are the interstitial messages, the, um, the text that the little characters give you. I should have actually taken a screenshot of this. Um, I'm going to have to sort of reconstruct it for you, but it is freaking creepy. And I swear to God, it is the Chinese Communist Party. Don't tell me otherwise. Um, the little helper girl who looks like a Barbie American but speaks in Chingrish, right? Um, she tells you how going green and upgrading your products to more eco-friendly and efficient growing methods doesn't only help you, it helps the whole community. Community! And your products will do more, she tells you, than just bringing your own personal farm profit. They're bettering all of your neighbors and friends. And don't you want to do that? Don't you want to lift up the whole community? It is completely Marxist. It is so communist Marxist. Well, naturally, um, it's uh, uh, an attractive nuisance, this game, uh, for the LGBTQIA plus 22 spirit L question mark. I, first of all, I tried to name up my farm Troon Acres, and I, I, frankly, I don't know how I psychologically survived this because that game kept telling me that my name was invalid. It said it, invalid name, exclamation point, and it was in red text too. Invalid name. So I'm like, okay, T-R-0-O-N Acres, invalid name. I went through six or seven iterations trying to figure out how I could make it be Troon Acres until I gave up. I finally found a combination of letters that allowed me to just name it Troon. 
And then I decided that I was going to meet my neighbors, you know, because in these games you have neighbors and you make friends with them and they come over and if you don't have something for the delivery truck but they have it they'll leave it on your doorstep and then you go over there it's all just you know la, da, 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 da. look at okay let's put it back kevin look look where i ended up big b's farm here has got a rainbow flag outside the house waving in the breeze and she's erecting a fence along her little um her little driveway there that is uh, pencils, vertical pencils in the troon colors, the trans colors, a little um, um, pink, you know, baby pink and baby blue with a few other desaturated pastel colors that you usually see on diapers for babies. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There are some adult baby lovers now who also like diapers are not just for babies anymore. Oh, my God. So I got rid of that game, and I found another one. Um, it still wouldn't let me name it Troon Acres, but, again, I reconstructed the uh, sequence of letters that got me somewhere in that neighborhood, and then I went specifically looking for a farm neighborhood collective full of Troons, and I found one, <laughs> and I joined it. So these people are going to be trading milk and bread and chicken feed with me that is until i get kicked out of the neighborhood and if i do i promise you i'll take screenshots and share it next week <clears throat> late breaking news from today actually as i was putting together this entirely substandard script that does not meet the quality that i i hold myself to every week um kevin texts me and he said he's driving uh this afternoon and he says i'm listening to episode one so he's listening to episode one of the show and i'm like why are you doing that but that's what he was doing. And then he has the temerity to actually ask me a question. And this was his question. He says, um, oh, that, that camera dollying pan zoom technique you were talking about? Are you sure that wasn't Ken Burns? Yes, bitch. I'm sure it wasn't Ken Burns. It was Alfred Hitchcock. Don't question me. I went to Sarah Lawrence Film School. <laughs> <laughs> all right i had it coming i had it coming um current news this week um i just pulled some random stuff random narcissism random cluster b random baby behavior and i thought i'd share it with you so this comes to us from south fulton georgia item Khalid Camus, mayor of South Fulton, Georgia, was arrested after entering a stranger's house without permission. The homeowner received a notification on his phone early in the morning that someone had been spotted by a security system. The unnamed homeowner looked outside to see Camus, the mayor, what, is that like Shamu? Uh, walking along his driveway on this property and entering it, the unna unnamed homeowner got into his truck and phoned the police to report the intruder before going to confront him at gunpoint. Police arrived on the scene and arrested the mayor at 6.52 a.m. Now, Mayor Khalid Camus, as you saw in that, can we put that headline from the Atlantic back up, please? It is how a black Socialist city councilman won his seat in the heart of the South. This was from the Atlantic magazine in 2019. I'm so surprised that he's a socialist mayor. Aren't you? And you know what? I was looking up Mr. Camus 
And he's got a website called KhalidCares.com. Well, here's a picture of Khalid N'Crew from the 2019 article. It's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people all clustered around him, you know, because he's the center of attention with the black power fist. Except these people, look at these two, look at these, these people. They're Mm, black and color. Especially those two whiteies, those gingers there at the bottom, you dumb cucks. I hope you like BBC. There's more to this story. According to the homeowner's statement, Kalu, uh, Kalu, Camus was belligerent and unrepentant when confronted, demanding to know if the homeowner knew that he was the mayor before shouting at him, I'll wait for my police to get here and see what happens then. I'm going to wait for my police to get here. Oh, yeah. Camus then told police that he attempted to identify himself to the homeowner and he tried to leave, but he had to stay when the homeowner threatened to shoot him if he did so. (laughs) He told arresting officers that he knew he was committing trespass by entering someone else's property, but he was only trespassing in order to take a better look at a house that he greatly admired and hoped to own one day. That's the socialist part, remember? It'll just be appropriated, right? Because that's his, just like it's his police... That my house. Um, Described as the first ever Black Lives Matter mayor to be elected to public office, Mayor Camus was charged with first-degree burglary and criminal trespass but was released on an $11,000 bond. He was ordered to undergo a mental health assessment by authorities and has since been temporarily replaced in his position as South Fulton mayor. And here's the kicker. The self-described Christian socialist took to social media after he was out on bail to tell people that he was being used by God. (laughs) He also shared a Bible verse about the righteous suffering persecution. (laughs) Throw down, flip it, and reverse it. (laughs) He's being used by the devil, and he doesn't need a fucking mental health assessment. I got your goddamn mental health assessment right here. It's called cluster B. It's called narcissism. This is not a hard case. It does not require an assessment. Everyone can see it. This is what I mean when I talk about personality disorders. And yes, I'm allegedly diagnosing. I mean, come on. You want to talk about a leading indicator? This guy thinks he can literally walk into... He claimed that he thought the home was abandoned. He lied. He knows... He, well, he thought he could get away with this. And he, that was not an unreasonable assumption on his part. Anybody who is a member of a sacred caste right now, the LGBTQIA, the feminists, the... Um, oh, oh, stop, radical feminists. I know. I already hear the comments. You're clicking and typing out there. You're all oppressed. I get it. I get it. Um... Anybody, people of color, anybody right now has a very good chance of getting away with criminal behavior right now because they are getting away with it. I'm just actually surprised that his police actually stopped him. Anyway, let's talk about affirmative action. As you know, the Supreme Court recently put the kibosh on affirmative action. And that was the practice, for those of you outside of the U.S., that was the practice of U.S. colleges 
uh, preferentially admitting mainly black students, even if they didn't measure up on uh, school test scores uh, the way uh, whites or other ethnic groups uh, would measure up, you know, to make up for historical racism. So affirmative action was, in fact, a racist practice where a particular race, regardless of competency, was unfairly advantaged at the expense of other potential students who did demonstrate scholastic competence. It was simply, affirmative action was simply government-endorsed racism. The only reason we don't call it racism is because anything that black people like can't be racism. Only things that black people don't like about white people can be racism. Bullshit. Well. Quote, after the historic Supreme Court decision of finding affirmative action unconstitutional, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill announced that it would be offering free tuition to undergraduate students whose families earn less than $80,000 starting this fall. UNC Chancellor Kevin Guskowitz said, Race will not be a factor in admissions decisions at the university. We will comply with the court's ruling. An applicant's lived racial experience cannot be credited as race for race's sake. And as people are pointing out here, these colleges are just going to, oh, what is the modern terminology? Pivot. They're going to pivot to other ways of taking race into account. And they're going to use income now as a proxy for race. So they're going to continue the affirmative action practices. And yes, yes, I know you can argue that letting college kids in who, you know, whose families make 80, 000, less than $80,000 is a nod to helping people up the economic ladder. I understand that. I come from a poor family, and you know why I got into Sarah Lawrence College? Just, uh, we don't call it that, but it was another form of affirmative action. I'm a high school dropout. I dropped out at 16 and got my GED. I got coached to get into school, but I looked great on paper for their purposes, the semi-homeless uh, young gay kid who'd been an activist since he was 16 years old. I benefited from this. This is how I got my education. This is how I got my scholarships. Yes, I'm conflicted about it. Absolutely. But I do understand it. I just, you know, in full disclosure, I would be hypocritical not to tell you. This is not the way. This isn't the way. Um, one of the things that so disturbs me about colleges that are getting rid of using standardized test scores um, in order in their admissions process is standardized test scores were one of the original purposes of this of standardized testing was to find academically competent or talented youngsters who would not be found otherwise poor kids who might have gotten lost in the system everybody could demonstrate his or her own competence on the same SAT you know, that was a form of actually getting at merit that might not have been discovered if the admissions process were only predicated on, well, everybody from this family or this part of town or this income bracket comes in. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the public policy answer is. Um, I'd like to see some conversations about it, but I don't trust UNC and I don't trust these colleges and I don't think that they're doing this because they really want to help out poor kids. I think they want to just continue doing racial affirmative action. Um, <laughs> sticking with colleges and universities, headline, Brown University 
reports whopping 40% of students are LGBTQ. From the article, polling data collected by the Brown Daily Herald, the student newspaper at Brown University, reveals that LGBTQ plus student identification has reached 38% of the students currently attending. Back in 2010, the Herald began collecting data on sexual orientation. Uh, I'm going to stop here. Remember, sexual orientation is one thing. Sexual orientation is not, I am a queer, I am a non-binary. That is entirely a different thing. They've all been mashed together now because we're the LGBTQ community. So you can't even fairly compare historical polling data to what's happening today. This is deliberate. The illusion is absolutely deliberate. It is meant to confuse. Back to the article. Back in 2010, when the Herald began collecting data on sexual orientation among the students in Brown University, they found that approximately 14% of respondents identified as non-straight. That's also ridiculous uh, because at best, at absolute best, the number of actual homosexuals is probably around 2% of the population. But it isn't surprising that you're going to find a higher percentage in a liberal university, but still 14%. That proportion is now more than doubled. And I have to take issue with this article because, again, we are not comparing apples to apples. We're back in 2010, nobody believed, really, that men could be women and women could be men. We knew what sexual orientation was. Now everybody doesn't know any. It's all queer, right? It's all LGBTQ. It's all the same thing. Yeah, my, um, my homosexuality is not equivalent to Caden's personality disorder. <laughs> According to a 2022 Gallup survey, Brown's percentage of LGBTQ plus students is over five times the national rate. The survey found that 7.1% of U.S. adults and 19.7% of those aged 18 to 25 identify as LGBT. The 7.1% is nonsense, too. This is, this is a, an artifact of social contagion. Um, yeah. Oh, here we go. The Herald, which is Brown University's student newspaper, introduced options related to gender identity only in spring of 2022. In the 2023 survey, almost 5% of respondents declared themselves to be gender queer or non-binary, which is more than 10 times the less than 1% of adults who identify as these things <laughs> in the 2021 Williams Institute study. I mean, what are these things? What is gender queer? Non-binary is just a young woman's excuse for a bad haircut. That's all it is. Um. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm done with that. We're going to close up this very special episode of Disaffected. <laughs> Talking about fake hate crimes. You know, everybody remembers, the, probably the most prominent one we remember is the Jussie Smollett hoax where that actor from the show Empire uh, claimed that he was out at 2 a.m. in sub-zero weather in the snow in Chicago on his way to Subway. <laughs> you need to tell me with all them episodes you couldn't afford Uber Eats, you had to walk to Subway. <laughs> <laughs> had to <laughs> and he claims that a couple of nigerian guys came up and said hey boa this is maga country get out of here before they took a noose put it around his head and poured bleach on him 
because that's exactly what black Nigerians are want to do when they meet black Americans. <laughs> and they definitely say MAGA country and definitely in Chicago. Well, it isn't just Jussie Smollett. It's everybody's doing this shit now. I don't have enough. I can't get into this in detail on the show because it, it require. I need to refresh myself and, and my understanding of the primary sources. But do you know that the Matthew Shepard murder, the terrible, tragic murder of the young gay man, Matthew Shepard in Wyoming, what was it, maybe 20 years ago? Do you know that the way that that was presented is actually a hoax? That was not a gay bashing. That wasn't an anti-gay murder. It wasn't. I believed that. I really did. And I know his parents still do, too. And probably because it's easier to believe that than to believe about their son, the more likely case. that He was voluntarily involved with some really heavy drug dealers. That appears to be what actually happened. Not, I'm going to kill that faggot and string him up on barbed wire because he's a faggot. So I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but this shit isn't true. And I'm beginning to question how much of this stuff reported in my lifetime has ever been true. So here we've got Well, let's let's just show them this. This is from a Twitter account called Combat Anti-Semitism. And they claim anti-Semitism is society's canary in the coal mine. Wherever it appears, if left unchecked, hatred of all people grows. Anti-Semitism may begin with bigotry towards Jews, but it spreads far beyond. Help us combat this age-old poison. Follow the combat anti-Semitism movement. No, thank you. I don't think that I will. This is the same idea as no one's free until we're all free. Nonsense. This is confected victimhood. This is forced teeming. It's moral and conceptual forced teeming. If you don't scream and shout and say, every insult a Jew ever has to hear is the worst thing in the world, then that means that no one's free, including you. I am so tired of this. And you know what? I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. Because people don't really want to say this. They don't want to notice that all people, all people, regardless of their ethno-religious heritage, have the capacity to be good people, bad people, flawed people, imperfect people, and absolute narcissistic liars. That is part of the human condition. But we won't say that about Jewish people. We won't speak up when Jewish activist groups claim anti-Semitism implausibly as they are doing at a fever pitch. Oh, I know, I'll probably get canceled afresh in new places because I just said that. But you know what? Even the people who might be listening to this or hearing this who don't like it, you know it's true. You know it. We all know it. Almost all of you listening and watching right now know it. You know that you don't say anything when somebody claims they were a victim of anti-Semitism. That's the last taboo. You can't, you can't gainsay anyone who claims that they were the victim of anti-Jewish bigotry because that makes you, that means you want another Holocaust. That means you want to see Jews go to the gas chamber. Yes, it's emotional manipulation. I'm not exaggerating anything. In fact, I'm underplaying it. Just go on social media. Go on mainstream media. See what you get. If you doubt even one jot or tittle of a claim of anti-Semitism. So the example that combat anti-Semitism wants us to believe is real is here on your screen. Yeah, 
garbage can. Oscar the Grouch style garbage can. Have you seen one of these uh, al- aluminum garbage cans in 35 years? I certainly haven't. I wonder if they got it out of the props department. Uh, well, on this garbage can appears to be blue painter's tape with swastikas, except except their backward swastikas. Hmm, that's interesting. And it says, um, I can't even read it. Anti-Semites vandalized trash can with swastika in a Highland Park, Illinois. So the backwards swastika and then paint, uh, spell down in painter's tape, Jews with a star of David. Mm-hmm. I super duper believe this is a real case of anti-Semitism. Honestly, the things these people want us to believe are so goddamn insulting. And you know what? You should be ashamed of yourself. If you participate in this, you should be ashamed of yourself. This actually makes a mockery of the actual persecution that Jews have been put through. But these days, criticize Israel. Say that you, uh, or even, you know what? I haven't even criticized Israel. I find the conflict between Israel and Palestine so complicated, and I am so unmoored, I am so ill-read about the history, and I can't keep up with it, that I, I do not have an opinion because I think it would be irresponsible of me to have an opinion. I don't know enough to say what I think is going on there. And even expressing that kind of doubt, not being pro-Israel, I see people every day called anti-Semites for that. I mean, it's just, it's just nonsense. So, so Somebody pointed out to me that there's a whole site devoted to this called fakehatecrimes.org, and I took a look at it, and it's page after page after page after page of incidents that you've seen in tabloids and the newspapers all over the place, all of which have turned out to be fake. I just took the very first one, the one that was at the top of the page, and, and I looked and I, I skimmed the rest of them and they're all of this nature. Some of them are about women. Some of them are, are claims of, of uh, lesbian or gay bashing. Some of them are transphobia claims. There's all sorts of stuff in there. First one on here. Complaint number 483. Complainant charged with a felony in Ossining, New York. And the summary, the synopsis is, uh, this is a recent story actually from the New York Post. New York cop accuses colleagues of menacing her with text messages She's arrested for sending them herself. Female police officer complains about receiving harassing messages from colleagues. Investigators discover she sent them herself. Well, you know, God helps those who help themselves, I suppose. At any rate, thank you. This is the show. It'll be something different next week. Take care. Take care.